1: On this episode, we'll be discussing a topic that may make us a bit uneasy, but here at Sharp Best Health, we like to challenge ourselves to such topics, and today we're going to chat about how to approach someone who we may think is suffering from depression or major depressive disorder. I'm Janice Chinquanco from Sharp Best Health, and I'm joined in our virtual podcast studio with Lindsay DeMoose, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist by trade. And here at Sharp Healthcare, she is a stress first aid therapist located at Sharp Chula Vista Medical Center. Welcome back, Lindsay.
0: Thank you so much, Janice, for having me. I always love being here and chatting with you about things that matter. And this is no exception. I'm in the business of reducing stigma with regard to mental health. And so I think this is a really great conversation that we get to have.
1: Awesome, so Lindsay, thank you again um, and allowing us to open this dialogue with you. So I have a hunch that I'm not alone in feeling that in the past three years, um, it's really brought about mental health, you know, in the, in, our, in the news, in the limelight, and being able to openly chat about mental health shows that we're making big moves in our society. So I want to touch a bit on some signs and symptoms that are com- most common in someone living with depression or major depressive disorder. Lindsay, can you remind us about some of these signs and symptoms?
0: Yes, of course. So the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, this is what all people in the psychiatric field follow for diagnosing things correctly. Um, This speaks about depression or a depressive episode, this is how I'm going to break it down, Um, as a two-week period of time where for most of the day, for more days than not, A person is feeling sad, maybe to the point where they're crying all the time, they're feeling empty, they're feeling hopeless. Uh, In teenagers, we see irritability and anger as well. For many people that are experiencing any sort of depressive episode or ongoing major depressive disorder, they can experience a loss of interest or pleasure. So things that they may have otherwise enjoyed doing, they just kind of feel bleh about. Um, Mm -hmm. Being in a depressive episode can look like an overall lack of motivation. We may see difficulties with regard to sleeping or eating where people are either sleeping too much or um, not enough or eating too much or not enough. Uh, They might feel fatigue, difficulties with fatigue and concentration. And then Mm -hmm. also there's so many different components of what depression looks like. Also, we see people that are experiencing uh, increased worthlessness or guilt and possibly having thoughts of wanting to die. So this can cause a lot of potential harm or challenges in one's functioning, which is why it's so important that we're discussing this today. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and for a lot um for some a lot can go downhill in the span of a couple weeks. What I want to know is what I want to note is that the length of depressive episodes really depends on factors such as how many episodes a person has experienced, if there are biological factors, if there are co-occurring disorders, how chronic this might be. Um it's rare to see that uh, an adult that is constantly in a state of mm-hmm. acute depression. So it's not something that lasts for ever. Um, but this is also really common uh, about, uh, I think, the reports from last year in 2021 report that uh, 10% of the adult population has experienced depression, which I think is, is an underrepresentation. So this is something that a lot of people do go through.
1: Yeah, thank you for, you know, jumping in there with the, the some of the signs and everything. Now, um, we recorded, our Sharpest Health team recorded a podcast episode called invisible depression, what it is and how to help. Now that's season 11, episode 8, and it discusses uncommon signs and symptoms for those who may be struggling with with depression. So if you, any of the listeners here would like to listen to that, again, it's season 11, episode 8. So if I'm noticing, Lindsay, signs and symptoms that a friend, loved one, or colleague may be exhibiting, can you give us some pointers as to how one can approach this with them?
0: Absolutely. If you notice that your loved one or your friend is experiencing changes in their mood, like if you're just noticing that their mood is very different, it's really important to address this in case they need support. Um, And so what you say and how you say it and to whom you Mm -hmm. say it to might vary from person to person. But I think many of us worry that if we are asking about depression, we're going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. which the data shows with depression or even something like suicide, that if we ask about it, it's not going to actually increase the intensity or the severity of the situation. So um, so that's important for us to recognize mm-hmm. that like, if we're not going to heighten anything by talking about it. Um, we often also fear that like, Uh, we don't know what to do if somebody does share with us that they're experiencing depression. So we don't have to be trained psychotherapists or psychiatrists to have these types of conversations. The point of speaking to this is to let a person know that we see them, that we're here to support them, and that they're not alone. And so we want to be compassionate towards these mental health issues, Mm -hmm. while also, I mean, this, again, serves in a greater purpose of decreasing the stigma of talking about it. So I would say that, like, For starters, the pointer would be just having an open, direct, honest, and supportive conversation about what you're observing is really the best place to start from.
1: So what would that look like, Lindsay? Can you give us an example?
0: Absolutely. Again, like I'm saying, it really depends on who the person is, who we are. Um, There's not necessarily like a one-size-fits-all way to be able to approach this, but I'm going to use you as an example, Janice. Generally speaking, saying something like, hey, Janice, I just wanted to check in about how you're feeling. You've seemed really sad lately. Are you feeling depressed? That might be one way. Or, hey, how are you doing? Do you think it's possible that you're experiencing any sort of depression right now? So Mm -hmm. I'm just coming out and saying it, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. not tiptoeing around things. Like I'm just getting to the point. For others, we might have to build them up. So saying something like, hey, I know things have been really tough lately, and I know you're not always comfortable talking about your feelings, so please understand that I'm not trying to make this uncomfortable for you. I just see that you're suffering, I heard a podcast recently about depression Mm -hmm. and I was wondering how you're feeling. So those are some examples. Um, If possible, we also want to convey to the person that this is something that if this is something that they're experiencing, it doesn't mean that they're weak. It doesn't mean that they're any less of a person that depression is something that happens to us, but it doesn't mean that it is something that makes up who we are.
1: Right now. I'm going to go ahead and just state this. We are a texting society. Mm
0: -hmm. We don't
1: often pick up the phone or we may not see this person in person. Um, I mean, how do we approach this with different types of, you know, modes of communication? Is it something that's best said in person? Like, hey, do you want to meet for coffee? Do you want to meet for dinner? Mm -hmm. Would this conversation be better off Stated in person, or if they really, if they're living in a different state or potential country, mm, mm-hmm. you know, um, would a phone call be better if that's it? Or does texting just work the same? I know this is de- depending on the person or yeah. persons involved, um, yeah. uh, that it could be really different, but what would you say would be the best way to approach
0: I love all these ideas that you're putting out, Janice, because I think the most important thing is just us showing up and us expressing um, that we understand that something could be going on and we want to offer support. So I think, however, we do show up in that sense, making the most direct connection Mm -hmm. is really the best thing, especially if we're really worried about the person and we maybe need to help get them connected to resources more immediately. But I mean, if if we're concerned about somebody, I would just, you know, take what I can get in that sense of demonstrating that I'm aware that somebody mm-hmm. might be suffering and that I'm showing them that I want to be able to help.
1: Right. And so playing off of that, what you just said, when you find out potentially that your friend, colleague, loved one is indeed depressed, what's our next step?
0: Yeah, good question. So um, this is, again, where we might be worried uh, that we're not mm-hmm. doing the right thing. So I'm just telling you, take it easy on yourselves. Know that you can help, but you're not expected to be fully experienced or do this in like a perfect way. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So if somebody is acknowledging to us that they're going through a depression or depressive episode, what we want to ask is, hey, how can I support you? What do you need? Or thank you so much for sharing this with me. I can only imagine how hard this is. But Mm -hmm. we want to really validate that they're being open and honest with us. And next, we're asking what can I do now to support you? So they may not know what they need, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they need to see a doctor. Maybe they need a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, a therapist. Maybe they need um, more intensive therapy with like an intensive outpatient program or maybe mm-hmm. even inpatient Um If they don't know, then what you can be is someone that just coordinates and connects them to professional support. Mm -hmm. So if they're willing to let you, I think this is a really good opportunity to do the things for them that they likely can't navigate on their own. Because, again, when we're depressed, like a lot of us, it's hard to get out of bed, let alone pick up the phone and advocate for ourselves professionally. So this is where if we are the ones that are initiating these conversations, it can be such a good opportunity to be able to um, Use our abilities to Mm -hmm. help our loved ones when they don't have those capabilities because of how they're feeling. So um, that's very helpful for somebody that's experiencing that. Um, just to as kind of an educational piece, if if they are opting for a psychiatrist or medications, I think the thing that, that we need to take into consideration is that the typically the appropriate medications for managing depression d- take a little bit to to kick in. It can take three mm-hmm. to you know, four to five to six weeks, depending on who the person is, and what the medication is. And so that can really outrun the course of a depressive episode in a lot of situations. So if this is it, so they may not receive that immediate support from depression, I mean, from medication, but it doesn't mean that that's not helpful, especially mm-hmm. if this is something that's like been an ongoing thing for them, that medication might be so useful in terms of preventing or reducing the experience of a future depressive episode. Um, so conversely, I just was thinking like if your loved ones already receiving any of these resources, or if they refuse, if you're uh-huh. like, hey, what can I do to support you? They're like, I don't know, I don't think that's what I would need right now. Um, I think what is very helpful is just to keep checking in with them, just sure. to reiterate that you see them, that they are valuable to you, that you love them, that you care about them, um, that they they want to. F- In a lot of these cases, people need to remember that they're not alone and that they belong and so we want to really reiterate that and communicate that as best and as often as possible. Um, and then I was just thinking like just in my own clinical practice what I find is really helpful is to remind my clients when they're like smack dab in the de- the middle of a depressive episode to remind them that this is short term that they're gonna come mm-hmm. out of this and I think that's really helpful to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel this is why you know the reframe to this is it's it's helpful that depression comes in episodes that this is not a lifelong thing so reminding them that like they can experience relief in a short period of time in the future
1: thank you lindsay for that reminder that to continue Mm -hmm. to keep the positive out there and giving them hope and reframing their minds to think for the positive and hey you know maybe with some assistance if needed you can get some help and get your way out of this one you know out of this for the better right
0: exactly absolutely Yeah. yeah
1: Lindsay, is there anything else you'd like to share regarding our topic today?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so, you know, as a clinician, it's, it's, I I can't think about depression without addressing just suicide risk, because unfortunately, Mm -hmm. there is um, such a significant correlation in some cases between people being depressed and having thoughts of suicide. So, I'm going to use this as an opportunity for a public service announcement that if you notice that the behavior in your loved ones, your friend, your colleague is different than it normally is, if mm-hmm. it's risky, concerning, if they're more hopeless or like they're you know, saying things like they're a burden, even if they're like giving away valuables, any sort of behavior that gives you that gut feeling that something's really wrong. This is where I urge you to ask them if they're actually having thoughts of wanting to kill themselves. That they're actually having thoughts of dying. Mm -hmm. Um, as I said earlier, I know these, these questions are tough. They can be really fear inducing for us, but the literature, the research shows that we're not going to make things worse if we ask about this. Mm And in so many cases, like this is a matter of life or death. And so, um, this is where it's, it's just really, we, 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 won't regret it when we ask these types of questions. So if your loved one does share this with you, they say, yeah, you know, actually I am having these thoughts. You can call Sharp Mesa Vista at mm-hmm. 858-836-8434 and you can you know, to share the situation and, and um, convey the importance of your loved one being hospitalized for a short period of time so that they can receive the necessary psychiatric support. You can take them to the emergency department. Uh-huh. You can call 911 and ask for the PERT team, P E R T, the PERT team. Or you can call the Access and Crisis Hotline at 888 724. 7240. The important thing in any situation is we want to remove any sort of access to lethal means from the person's reach, and we want to stay with them until we know that they're in a place that they are actually safer and that they're receiving the necessary psychiatric support that they need. So I know that this is a sensitive subject. It's a bigger subject. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there are opportunities for us to discuss this in future podcasts, but um, again, it's it's I can't Talk about one without discussing the other in in some way.
1: Absolutely, Lindsay. Thank you again mm-hmm. for joining me today. Um, again, like we said, it's another helpful topic because in my mind, we're you know um, we've been partially in this isolation, in and out of this isolation during this pandemic, and I know that people have had um, you know I guess mental health mental health has been more in again in this in our scene here, mm-hmm. and so I'm really glad that we can at least get this out in the open provide, you know, your thoughts as a clinician and how we best um, approach this, you know, and how we can take some tools with us after hearing this episode. So thank you. And I, I surely hope that, you know, our, our listeners are able to take away something helpful from today's episode. And we'll also include um, the links to Sharp Mesa Vista, the phone numbers as well that we shared for the Sharper Sharp Mesa Vista Hospital, as well as the access and crisis hotline in our show notes today. Um, And again, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Coffee Break with Sharp Best Health. And we look forward to having you join us next time. So have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
0: Download this episode and find more great information on health and wellness by visiting Sharp Best Health on sharpnet.com.